So the first episode of 2021, it's hard to believe that 2020 is over. What a year. Um, a lot of people listening to this have been impacted by gym closures, those who compete, bodybuilding shows cancelled. A very tough year in general, but hopefully this year is going to be a little bit better. In today's episode, I have on with me Brett Freeman. We actually spoke maybe three or four episodes ago. Brett is the WMBF world lightweight champion in the professional class um in our last episode we talked a little bit about his prep his strategies etc but in today's episode we talk more about body fat levels and um, more so getting up there in terms of off-season body fat levels our own experience in terms of how much body fat we gain what we gained or how much we gained in the past after previous competitive seasons because we both i believe have had similar amount of competitive seasons three or four each and experience with our own clients in terms of working with clients and how much body fat they need to gain to progress and build as much muscle as they possibly can we then also talk a little bit about what to look out for if you think that perhaps your body fat is maybe a little bit lower than the optimal range for you personally in terms of gaining maximal amount of muscle mass if you are listening please do subscribe hit the subscribe button so you can get some updates of further episodes and please do share this podcast with somebody if you think they're going to benefit from it and tag myself and brett in uh, your facebook or your instagram wherever you listen to this you can tag us on your instagram stories i'm at adamac192 uh, brett is at bathtub b-a-f-t-u-b uh, but without further ado let's get into this episode with brett freeman Brad, it's good to chat again, man. Thanks for having me. I think this might be the first video, or did we do video before? I think it's our third. Uh, yeah, but I don't know we, if we, we did video before. No, maybe not, though. Maybe not. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, how you doing, man? Anyway, you, you good? Uh, today, just for anybody listening, it's uh, it's the inauguration of uh, Biden, right? Is that a, That's it a is. big deal, I assume. Pretty big deal, yeah. But you, Opinions I can, are 50-50, I can see so. your, I can see your Confederate flags in the back there. So you're obviously Trump fan. I'm only joking. <laughs> yeah, he he has links to uh, Ireland here. So uh, apparently, I think a lot of presidents gonna jump. Not Trump, uh, Biden. Um, okay, okay. I'm like, hmm. yeah. I don't, I don't think it really makes a huge difference for for me, like who the president of the US is in reality. True. Maybe some yeah. foreign policy stuff, but. Um, <laughs> But I'm sure it'll make a lot of difference. Now I don't really know much, but um, hopefully there's not going to be too much riots. It's only lunchtime there, so maybe we, we still have a few more hours. Hopefully not. Yeah. You never know, though. It it is America. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So for for anybody who hasn't heard you on the podcast before, um, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh sure. Um, my name is Brett Freeman, Bathtub on Instagram. I am a WMBF professional bodybuilder. And I get pretty heavy in the off season, which <laughs> is kind of what ties this podcast in today. Yeah. Yeah. So the, so the topic we want to talk about today was a little bit about like how fat, I suppose, or how much body weight. So that could be body fat or body weight, I suppose. You need to get above stage weight to make progress because I, I guess it stemmed from just some posts on, on social media and just differing differing in opinions um and i just want to get your thoughts on on like well first of all what's your stage weight and then 
what 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 kind of weight are you at right now? I guess you're about well, it's how long is it since the last show? It well, it's probably been over a year. Well, wow. yeah, a year and two months. Well, yeah, it doesn't seem like that long, but yeah, it does not. It feels like last year still. It's <laughs> oof. But um, I compete as a bantamweight. So in 2019, I got down to 143 pounds for the off season. Every single contest season, I always say that I am going to stay leaner, but history kind of always repeats itself. And my body weight just naturally tends to fluctuate back up into the high 160s, low 170s, which is what I've come to realize my set point is. That's just where things just start clicking. Um, in the past, uh, I have tried to stay leaner, but I have noticed that so many negatives that kind of come into play while I do diet start popping out and they, they still remain uh, apparent when I try to stay lean, which I've noticed as soon as I start dipping down into the 150s, so about 10 to 15 pounds above stage weight, that's when all of you know the physiological adaptations start to slowly trickle in despite trying to subside them with um, strategies to kind of you know mitigate them from happening since they do happen. And the way I look at uh, off seasons and contest preps are if you're in an off season or improvement season, and you're still food focused using baby spoons and baby forks to still eat your meals, or you're relying heavily on food volume and manipulating, you know, the size of your meal for satiety purposes, I think you might be a little too lean. So what I, I suggest for uh, people that I coach and just for myself in general, and also what I try to promote on social media, since it's so deceiving is a body composition that you feel uh, best at. It might not necessarily be your best look, kind of like how uh, 3DMJ and Alberto Nunez says, um, and just hanging out there and just watching performance and you know training trickle up. Yeah. And, and how has your body weight in the off-season changed over the seasons? Because you've had you know a couple of seasons. Has it has it yeah, increased or has it reduced? It's honestly stayed the same, which, I mean, I mean, it might be due to being a smaller individual because I'm only 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, um, but every single season, 2009, it was 165, 2011, 170, 2017, 170, 2019. I pushed up a little bit higher, so 175, 180. And then this year... Uh, since exiting the stage in 2019, it fluctuated from 165 to 175. And I noticed, I noticed over time, since I do take more of an intuitive approach during my off season, that um, body composition looks a lot different uh, compared to previous off seasons, which um, I suppose it's anecdote, but I, I, I don't think body fat needs to get pushed up so extremely high. I think there's like a middle ground for where you kind of perform best. And I, I've noticed that when I fluctuate from 165 to 175, that's where uh, performance markers are the highest. Uh, energy levels are the highest. There's no food focus. And I'm just overall a healthier person. 
to be around. <laughs> mm, yeah. And do you think that, um, like for most people who aren't like extremely advanced, they're probably going to be wanting pushing their body weight up in the off season. Yes. Do you think that like, would you want to kind of say, stay a little bit leaner initially so that you can push through that? Or do you get like, would you recommend that you get to that point where you're feeling good first and then pushing from there? Cause obviously that's going to be on top of. Yeah. I think for a beginner, um, I know it's kind of back and forth between if a beginner is skinny fat, let's say if they should bulk or if they should cut first, I think if they cut first, they're just going to be skin and bones. So I would recommend slowly pushing body weight up, not in like the dreamer bulk sense where you just get overly sloppy and drink a gallon of milk a day. But I do think they should push their body weight up in order to see, you know, training performance increase and i also think um it'll kind of nip in the bud spinning their wheels and dealing with um just issues that normally kind of come along when you are overly food just focused on staying lean yeah i think what i've noticed in my contest seasons um i did like a first photo shoot when i was like 19 so Mm -hmm. 10 uh was it 10 years ago maybe about 10 or 9 years ago um and i remember i didn't even get that lean i got to like 182 and you know granted like in 2019 i was 175 so like 10 years ago I was 182 oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't it was the leanest i'd ever been because i wasn't like i was never really lean it's like a photo shoot yeah. and uh and like i i kind of like rebounded because i didn't feel like normal like you know the way you just eat like you eat quite a bit after and you kind of settle at a new body weight. I kind of settled at a body weight, even though I didn't really get that lean. And then I've kind of found that the same thing. Um, like the leaner I got over the years, like almost the, the longer it took or the more weight it almost took felt for me to kind of feel that new, the new normal or like, like, to, like traditionally for me after competition as well, I don't go crazy, but I just, I'm done with dieting um, and I'm not yep. like eating hamburgers and stuff every day, but I'm just eating like, so that I feel like a normal human and just like not stuffing myself, but obviously it's going to be a surplus. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And most of the time that kind of levels out, like obviously a year after my last show now, I don't eat, like, I don't eat, I don't like stuff myself and my body weight's yeah. pretty much the same all the time. But I found like the last season I did was, was, well, was the leanest I'd got before. Um, and I noticed that it actually just, it just was longer before I actually uh, was normal, like felt like, well, actually I don't have any weird body fat distribution here. I'm, uh, you know, I'm feeling and sleeping normal and I don't have any kind of food focus whatsoever. Like I'm not like <laughs> thinking about, Oh, I can't wait to get a burger or I can't wait to eat some <laughs> chocolate or something. Like mm-hmm. it seems quite far fetched now to me, but you know, that's like, that's the reality of it afterwards. Um, I remember at the last show we went out for food with, uh, eric and his wife and jeff and his wife and i i got like you know them pick and mix things where you like shovel yep. it was like something like 25 dollars worth of it was like about two kilograms and i ate about like the next day um my face was like bloated i have a picture mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks like i gained about 10 pounds um oh my god but um yeah i didn't go crazy for ages but i find that the leaner i get it's almost like the more it takes for me to recover uh, have you ever experienced anything similar? Yeah. And um, I know it, it differs. I, I think it was Birdo that mentioned that with the recovery diet that he normally feels normal after a month or two. Whereas 
I've always noticed that it takes three to six months. But again, I, I've noticed that the leaner I do get each season, the longer it does take uh, post-show in order for things to start actually normalizing again. So 2011, it took quite a long time because I was a teenager. 2011, it was a little bit easier. And then in 2017 and 2019, where I got substantially leaner, it again took another three to six months to have everything feel 100% normal. I mean, food focus kind of disappeared after the initial three months, but sleep, body fat distribution, which just like you, for me, is it's terrible. It's not good for social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it either goes straight to the face or it goes to the abs midsection. And uh, even training, training doesn't really start clicking or feeling normal until I want to say at least four plus months post-show. And, you know, thankfully we had COVID and lockdowns happen, you know, four months to into our post-show period. So that was fun. Yeah. But (laughs) yeah, I think uh, this, yeah, I think, I think one that kind of thing to be aware is that it's different for people who are doing like mini cuts and like just dieting down to get lean versus like, there's a point where your diet, you know, it's commonly known amongst a lot of people is like the, the set point. And when you get below that, then it's like you're starting to like, you, you really need to get back to that level before you can actually make any progress. You need to gain some fat. And I think that's why like getting shredded, unless you're going to like, unless you really need to get shredded for a show or, or something or shoot, you shouldn't really do it because you're going to mess things up and you can almost, I, I just believe this. You can almost rebound further. And, um, you know, and, and no matter how con- kind of controls you are or how kind of much, um, what would be the word, say, like dedication or discipline that you have, yeah. you, it, it's still like, you're, it's, you still don't feel right. I think if you, if you get super lean. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think, again, it's going to be individual, right? So, like, like i i do feel pretty normal at this body fat but i I wouldn't really want to be getting much heavier but i have had clients who are like you can see they're like obliques um you know and they're just naturally lean and they they feel fat when you know that's like towards the the low end of my body fat set point so i think it is individual but i don't think i do think that like certainly staying too lean is really sandbagging your results for for most people and one, 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 like, you know, massive anecdote is like a lot of guys who are like f- pretty big have like spent a time of their life, like being fairly overweight. Now that's just yeah. a pure anecdote. I mean, but like, I, I do see that with like, with a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I mean, there's, I mean, the new, the mass uh, article that came out in regards to football players and sumo wrestlers and athletes that, uh, have gone a little bit higher in body fat tend to accumulate more size. And we have seen it anecdotally in natural bodybuilding. I mean, the most quote unquote, I suppose, genetically gifted athletes are the ones that have kind of gone through those dirty bulks. I mean, I really feel like it helped potentiate Alberto's um, Mm. career. I'm not career, but like competitive edge because he did, get up pretty high in body fat i know eric helms did originally uh bob waterhouse a really yeah. really good nat- natural pro he, he tends to very get fat. 
He is very fat. <laughs> um, Lee Priest, another good natural pro. Oh, yeah. The KFC bucket. <laughs> Ronnie Coleman. I mean, it is, it is definitely genetic, I feel, in regards to uh, just set points that uh, people are able to hang out. And same goes with body fat distributions. Some may have obliques, uh, abs year-round, but their lower body might be 15-plus percent body fat. Um, I, I think of um, the WMBF champion, Kendall, who is blessed genetically, stays pretty lean year-round, but he's pretty far away from stage weight, I would say. And he's... He, probably functions pretty normally and is able to gain muscle. So I, I think it does definitely depend on the person, but for your average, I suppose, average genetic training that is going to the gym, um, when they see all these pictures of people are always lean and gaining muscle, they think that they have to do that and live that, you know, quote unquote lifestyle in order to um, yeah. feel a part yeah, it's it's, it's definitely something that I think that uh, held me back for a while. Um, like trying to stay lean, but not like really lean, but leaner than what I was like productive at. And during my like early twenties, and like and then trying to be lean for a holiday, um, or whatever, all the time, every time I had a holiday. So like, it, and then what would happen is you'd you know bulk pretty fast or like just kind of eat too much food for too short a period. And then you'd be kind of, you've already all of a sudden gained 10 pounds of fat and then you want to kind of cut it back. And then it's like in this perpetual cycle on it. Yeah. I think that's like definitely a struggle for a lot of people. And I, and I guess it's on your, your goal, right? So we're like, you and I are competitive natural bodybuilders. We're not people who just want to be like, look like, like we're, we're competitors. It's our goal is to be better than yeah, next it's, it's, stage. It's different. Yeah. It's a little bit different. And uh, for us, I mean, I mean, the vast majority of natural bodybuilders kind of have, you know, weekly rate of gains, monthly rate of gains. And for beginners, intermediates, and sometimes advanced, I mean, with advanced, with advanced individuals, I mean, I would consider you advanced since you do compete at a very high level. Um, I feel like the rate of gain to which that you and I need on a monthly basis is, is a lot less comparatively to others that are just starting out in the sport so they might have to gain at a faster rate in order to gain muscle and improve strength and hypertrophy um but just like yourself when i was younger 19 21 it was um an all or nothing kind of mindset it was i would have to bulk aggressively at two pounds a week eight pounds a month and then after four months, I'm like 30 pounds up and it's like, crap, time to yo-yo diet, mini cut for two weeks and just continuously spin my wheels. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think the rate of gain is like a tricky one because like even newbies um, or newer lifters who've never really done a proper bulk, it, like they could gain at a faster rate. But again, if they don't have like the genetics, I suppose, to Bingo. capitalize on that, you could just be gaining a lot more fat. So it's definitely difficult and then it's not like it's not like um there's an exact answer because I, th I think even like the research of that kind of goal or that weight of rate gain which i think it was a paper by juma raki and eric helms and peter fish and, mm -hmm. and off season whatever 
um, recommendations for bodybuilders or something. I think it was in that paper anyway, but the, the papers they looked at, you know, there's obviously a sample of, of people within that and st- those studies. So it's not like, there's not like thousands of people where they're like looking at different rates of weight gain. So you do have to kind of be, be careful um, of like your rate of weight gain. Um, I've even noticed like in the last few weeks, I've been trying to gain, but like I've been, it's been pretty stressful. Just like life has been pretty stressful. And I even noticed like at a fairly slow rate of gain, when my abs are getting washed out pretty fast, which is <laughs> not the best, but like, I don't really care too much at the moment, like home training and everything. It's just not ideal. Um, like with, with limited equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think for like people who are just like maybe non-competitive and they want to be in striking distance or they want to just be generally fit and healthy. Like, I think when I'm like older and I stop competing, I'm not going to be like bulking and coding. I'm going to try oh. and maintain a relatively healthy physique. Like, I don't think, you know, I, I know that there's not, there's, there's aspects of unhealthiness to all sports. Um, I've often heard the term like where competition starts, um, health ends which not always the case, but it makes sense. Um, but, you know, gaining weight when you're already like, like I'm already like 209 pounds, like gaining weight on top of that is like, it's not really healthy, you know, <laughs> for my blood pressure or, no. you know, just overall health markers. So I, I think for people who are just trying to like be healthy and gain a bit of muscle, it's probably worth maybe sacrificing a little bit of like, like it's, it's hard to quantify how much extra progress you'll make by, getting into that range where your sweet spot is versus maybe staying a little bit lower. I think, I think Eric might've mentioned it before, like he, he actually feels better at a heavier body weight, but it's just too heavy. Mm-hmm. No. And I, I did it, Eric, I, I believe the, that study also showed, I, I think it was Eric that mentioned that, I mean, muscle gain is not linear, so it doesn't always show up on the scale and it doesn't, you know, occur weekly. Yeah. Or overnight, and uh, I don't believe if he uh, compared it to recomping, but he has noticed that uh, gaining weight might not actually be necessary or needed hmm. to gaining muscle. Um, I with the regards to getting older, I mean, there comes a certain time where even that extra weight might be a little bit too much on the body, and then the constant, you know, fluctuating up and down of weight. Uh, could uh, screw up blood work, uh, blood pressure, etc. And I would just rather be kind of fit, active, and healthy. In all honesty, yeah. Maybe so not Marshall are, Johnson or Jeff Elberts, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. So, so what do you feel like um, when you compare? Like, how do you know when you are below that range? I guess that would be a question that a lot of people have. Like, they might maybe wondering, like, am I in that range of like? my optimal zone for building muscle. And like for, for me, I think one strategy, I think to help ease that burden, I guess, for people who have been attached to look is like focusing on other parameters that will lead to muscle gain rather than just you have the mirrors. So like sleep, performance, energy, mood, libido, all these things. But how do you, um, how do you know, or how do you advise someone that's like below that range and say like, if they're wondering, am I, you know, do I need to push up my body fat? um in order to make better progress or am i kind of already in that zone i think when you're rushing through your workout to get to your post-workout meal is a yeah. pretty big indicator um i noted some of the markers and uh things that i noticed are when sleep starts getting disturbed i'm not 
able to actually, you know, sleep a full six, five, six, seven hours. Um, I start noticing movements, feeling a bit off in terms of leverages. Uh, that, that could be a pretty big indicator that body fat level is decreased past, you know, your optimal set point. Um, again, food focus when food starts becoming a little bit more important than, you know, daily activities. Um, and you're a, a bit more mindful of crap. Like when's the last time that I ate kind of getting hungry. Um, yeah. When you start <laughs> becoming a little bit over-reliant on stimulants. So caffeine in order to kind of get through the day. Um, let's see. Uh, libido, I would say, but libido has kind of been like a, for, for most, um, for my, I haven't, had issues with that in a while, but I have noticed uh, with some clients when that starts to drop as well, uh, that could be an indication that things might be a little bit lower than they should be at the moment. Uh, and then I would, the usual training performance and recovery when, you know, fatigue is higher than it normally would be during your mesocycle. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, the, the, the key one that I think, is because like sleep can be bad. It's like literally I, I slept like, like zero hours last night for some reason, but like, it's not because I need to get more, get more body fat um, and <laughs> probably because I have too much body fat, but, um, <laughs> but I think food focus is definitely one where you can kind of make it clear. Like it's hard to say, cause some people are just like, they're too ingrained in macros and trying to, you know, use their, mac but when you start to see, see people like, like starting the day off with their macros as if it's like i know this is an analogy people see on social media but like it's like a bank account and then they're like trying to figure out hey, what's the perfect kind of high protein low fat low carb <laughs> um you cake they can make for breakfast and then they do the same thing for lunch and you're just over obsessing whereas like today i was really busy so i actually just had it's not ideal but i had a shake for breakfast with with some oats and then i had a shake for lunch <laughs> with a sandwich because i i was really busy and i didn't have any food but like if that was if i was food focused i would be like thinking about it all day and i would be like you know trying to volumize the crap out of that and see how much food i could fit in whereas there's the only two things i've eaten today and it's um it's you know 25 to 6 so like uh, i'm not food focused but it, it, you do get people who are you know are not anywhere near a show but they do over obsessed about trying to make the perfect meals um and that's why i heard something i can't remember where i heard it before but it's like if you spend more than like 10 seconds thinking about what you're going to eat uh for that meal just have a bro meal like just bro it up bingo of trying, yeah um but I, so i think food focus is is one that's a big indicator obviously performance as well but like things like sleep can be affected through stress um as well so yeah that's for, yeah, for me, it's not been an issue, but it's, it's definitely been an issue for some clients. Mm -hmm. I had the same meals today, too. I mean, I had whey and orange juice and then whey and a fiber brownie, so I'm not too far off. But yeah, I didn't think whey mixed well with orange juice. <laughs> it mixes great with Gatorade powder, though. <laughs> oh, really? That's your no. <laughs> go-to intro. Go intro workout, right? That is my go-to. That and a teaspoon of sea salt. Yeah. So, so I, I guess to, to wrap up, man, how, how do we, how do we find like the, the, the range for perfect, like, you know, is it just about trying to assess these various things 
Um, and then like, what do you recommend like people try and push up towards like a higher body fat percentage, like visually or a body weight goal and then, uh, come back down? Like, what, what do you recommend? I think it takes a lot of trial and error, to be honest. There's, I mean, there's no like perfect, uh, perfect way that I can go about telling somebody to find, you know, their, their settling point because it is going to differ. I think if they push their body weight up, kind of assess how they feel at that weight and then just allow their body to kind of, uh, come back down and just normalize, and then kind of take note of how they feel there. And if performance and every, everything that we've discussed, if everything is, you know, a positive, I think they've found kind of their ideal targeted off season body weight. Yeah. But, I mean, and that also, I mean, it does depend if that person is tracking their macros in the off season, or if they take more of an intuitive approach, which that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think like, definitely trial and error is, is huge even for me i think like a lot of times after my seasons um i didn't really try and progressively gain weight at all um so like that's almost been the same throughout my lifting career i didn't like go into a long-term gaining phase other than maybe 2014 so like even this year i'm actually actively trying to see if it's any additional benefit for me and uh, maybe it won't be um but uh, like between my last season and uh, or the, the one before last and the last season, I didn't really gain weight. I just kind of took, you know, let my body weight naturally get to a certain level. I, yep. you know, started opened the gym and just like joined CrossFit. God bless me for 12 weeks. Um, <laughs> well, I still trained in the gym, but I also went to cross in the evenings. Um, and that was it. That was the end of that. But you went, I went and you, <laughs> you did a one rep max deadlift and then you would come back a month later without doing any deadlifts and try to beat your one max deadlift. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> but you could, they only had bumper plates, so you couldn't probably get like more than 180 on the, on the bar anyway. Um, 180 kilos. It looks good. It looks yeah. like it's 600. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I think this season, it's really just a trial and error for me um, to see if it's, if it's going to be any benefit. Maybe it won't. And maybe I'll just get like quite fat, but that's, I think like, like the science and stuff is there to kind of guide us, but it's not always going to be end all be all. And like you said, you don't even necessarily have to be in a surplus. It's just making sure that all of those things that we mentioned are, are like, you know, are, po- are like, you know, positive or whatever. And we're not in a deficit where, you know, we're going to affect any kind of anabolic hormones in a negative way. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, so do you plan to push your body weight up over the next while, or do you just plan to hang, hang around this body weight and progressively train? I'm just going, I haven't weighed myself in a month plus actually. Um, so I'm going to kind of just eat according to my body's feedback and most likely just hover between where I'm at from where I previously was. I, I would say I'm around like 170, 175 at the moment. Um, I don't really have that much of an appetite when I do get kind of deeper into the off seasons. So mm-hmm. I do feel like that's why it naturally just settles there. But if I do start seeing training dip and recovery dip, I'll make a more conscious effort of actually eating more. Yeah. I think the, the appetite is definitely an indicator of perhaps you getting to the higher end of your set point. Cause I definitely noticed that where it's like, yep. I think I was eating maybe two and a half thousand calories at like, 
hundred kilos and I wasn't hungry at all. Um, which is nothing. So like, that'd be st- like, literally I would be starving on that 20 kilos lighter at like, at like uh, 175 pounds, I'd be starving. Um, but I think there's a question of just because the end of your higher end, of your set point doesn't mean that you can, you know, you, you don't need to push through that to continue to facilitate muscle gain. Cause I, I know like very skinny or very lean guys that I would work with, they actually will hit that seating pretty fast. Um, but you can tell that they're, they're not at their genetic limit of muscle gain, but yet there's, they've got no appetite whatsoever. So it's, um, for some, you may actually need to push above your set point, especially if it's, uh, quite lean or you haven't got much muscle, maybe. Mm-hmm. No, agreed. And then it becomes tough work at that point. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So any, any final words, man, uh, where can uh, people find out more about you? Uh, Instagram at bathtub, um, at ATP performance on Instagram as well. And ATP performance, LLC.com. Nice. So I will let you enjoy the, the rest of the inauguration. And, uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> See you, man. See you, man. Thank you.